Amen. Second Samuel, chapter eleven, and one verse and so for today. We're gonna have to have security escort kick people out today. Security escort his own side. First escort this one out to you just keep on going. Second Samuel. I love it. I love it. I love it. To joke around. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I know we mentioned it on a watch night service about being on the front line. And I want to talk about today and next Sunday about being on the front line and what does that really mean um, when we look at the life of um, Uriah, who was um, considered he was a Hittite. Um, and they always, it's funny how in the Bible, because different people had the same name, they always referred to, oh, this person as this person or this person from this family. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of how we have nicknames for people or um, um, little things that, uh, that we use today. The same thing, um, a lot of times they didn't give us people's last names, um, so they used uh, uh, maybe a different name to describe that person. So even as they're talking to somebody, they may not say David. We don't even know what David's last name do. David. They just say David, you know, King David, uh, uh, or Jesse, the Bethlehemite. But um, in the Bible, they, if you go through, even with Abraham, um, he was considered Abram, and then God changed his name to Abraham. But they never give us a last name because uh, to them, it wasn't necessarily important as opposed to your first name. And your first name told people who you were, what your character was, what your personality was. So when you name somebody Bunquisha, then you know you kind of know they're gonna be careful. <laughs> so, so if uh, if if your parents had named you something, you know, uh, uh, name other than that, the first when you get eighteen, go on up to the courts and change your name. That means something, Lord Jesus. But we get, but 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 back in the Bible days, and even uh, back do even during Jesus' time, the names meant something. We just didn't uh, pull something. I'm gonna name my child Sky. The rain, and I'm no no offense to nobody. Uh, you know, who have family named Sky or family named Rain. But but back back during that time, your name meant something. Back during that time, they didn't have necessarily social contracts. But you were known by your name. A man, a man is not known by the promises he made, but the ones that he keep. And so, a good name, the Bible says, to refer a good name um, uh, over anything else. And so, when we talk about names and talk about um, um, who we are, when somebody say uh, Keisha, what do what what comes to their mind? When somebody say Wanda, what comes to their mind? When somebody say Tasha. What comes to their mind? What precedes or follows your name? And so when we talk about being on the front line, we want to understand when someone calls our name or when someone says uh, uh, um, um, Jeff was on the front line or, or something of that nature, we don't want the negative connotation to be associated with when somebody says Jeff and you say, oh, Lord. Uh, not again. Not again. Not again. Uh, or, you know, or Malika, oh Lord, there she go. 
But we want to make sure that, that, that our names represent God. Amen. And so what we, what we do really does have an effect. It really does. I promise you, what you do really does have an effect on not only you, but also your family and those that are connected and tied to you. And so when we start looking at the life of David and Uriah and what happened, it had a lasting effect and a lasting impression on King David and his ministry and his, and his uh, uh, I would say his kingship. Because everybody, in, you can talk to anybody out in the streets, everybody knows about King uh, David and who? That's you. Yeah. That's just, or Goliath. And then when you connect them to Bathsheba, you have to also connect them to say, oh, yeah, he's the one that killed the, the man over his wife. And so 2,000 years from now, 20 years from now, or 30 years from now, when people say your name, what are they going to mention with it? This person, man, they was, they was a, a manager, they was vice president, but boy, they sure was crooked. And so when we talk about being on the front line and, and, and coming from obscurity, it's not necessarily going on Facebook and getting all kind of Facebook likes. Amen? So let me just put a pin there. When we talk about being on the front line, it's not necessarily being notarized or having notoriety or being popular. And so I think we live in a time now where people associate being popular with being necessarily on the front line. I'm on the front line, and, and, and in the church, that's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about you being uh, uh, popular amongst your peers or popular with people in the city or popular. Uh, that's not what front line means. Front line means I'm making a stand for something. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'm standing for something. I'm coming from just being a pew warmer way back here, and can't nobody see me, and can't nobody hear me, to come into the front line and say, I'm present and accounted for. Amen. So when the teacher calls your name in the class, you want to make sure that you say, I'm present and accounted for. Not sitting in the back. Christian. Christian. When I was in the military, and, and Melo could attest to this, whenever someone that was a fallen comrade, and when we had the memorial service or funeralized that person, they would call that person's name three times. And at the third time, either that command sergeant major or person that was in charge would say, that person is not here. And so when we talk about being on the front line, are we going to say around you and say, oh, she ain't here? Or are you going to step up and say, I'm here, I'm present, and I'm accounted for? I'm ready for duty. And a lot of times in the church, we think and we want to wait for somebody else to do it. Amen. So we, it, it's funny how we bring problems up but don't have a solution for it. That's right. And then when somebody asks you to do it, oh, well, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to do it. I was just telling you that something needed to be done. Well, stop bringing up problems if you, have to, if you don't have a solution or you're not going to be the problem solver. And so when we talk about being on the front line, we're talking about coming from behind the cover or behind uh, uh, the shadows and coming and telling God, you know what, God, whatever it is that you have for me to do, I'm going to do it. Whoever you have for me to go and see and go and talk to, I'm going to do it. Whatever gifts and talents that you have already placed inside of me, I don't want to just use them behind closed doors, but I want to be able to use everything that God gave me, everything that God has placed in me for his glory. For his glory. 
So this don't mean for you to go out and be like, Pastor talked about being on the front line. If you go on out there and get in, in, in traffic, talk about, I'm on the front line. No. No, baby, you're going to get hit. But what I'm saying, front line, is a mentality. It's a mentality to say, I'm no longer ashamed of who I am in God. I'm no longer uh, 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 going to be uh, uh, um, sitting in the back waiting on somebody else to call my name. Waiting on someone else to do it. But I'm going to step up. From the youngest to the oldest, I'm going to step up and I'm going to accept the call. And whatever that means, then God, that's what it means. You know how they say, be careful for what you pray for? Because you pray for patience, guess what? God gonna put you through something <laughs> to 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 fresh out and flesh out patience in your life. God, I pray for peace. Okay, well then, how can peace be better demonstrated uh, except in calamity? That's right. How do you know you have peace if everything else around you is just peaceful? But when you're walking in peace and total peace, then God would allow everything else to be going to hell in the handbasket and you to still say, though, though he slay me, yet will I trust. That's right. Though everything uh, is going on around me, I'm not losing hope and I'm not losing my mind. People blowing out their brains, people doing this and taking pills and all of this stuff. But God, yes, I'm not saying, man, I, I wish that somebody would write me a $100,000 check. Anybody else wish that thing? I think maybe fifty thousand dollars, but you know I wouldn't even be greedy. Twenty-five thousand. That's that's God. Just write me something to set me up for six months. <laughs> I wish somebody would just say, you know what? God put it on my heart to come and lay some money at your feet. Put it on my heart and save it. Come on. And I ain't going to ask no questions about it. Where you get it from? Was it dope money? Was you, was, was you on the stripper pole? I don't care. God, you bless it. Bless it. Do y'all not understand that whatever money comes through here as an offering or as a time, we don't know where it's going to be in? Right. That's why we pray for God. Make it good. Seriously. And so my thing is that being on the front line is going to cost you something. It's not something that you're going to get for free. It's not something that God is just going to will to you without you doing something. Amen? So being on the front line, God spoke to us last year, ending of last year, coming to this year, and it's time for the Gathering Church to be on the front line, to come out of obscurity, to come out of hiding, to come out of, 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 of just being, we're just status quo. We're just going alone to get alone. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to uh, 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 cause anybody to 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 to, uh, to any any discomfort to anybody. But God is saying, "Time out for that. Time's up. Amen. It is time up. Gideon, come from threshing your wheat and threshing the threshing floor from behind the scenes and come out to the forefront. Amen. 
Quit being afraid of the enemies. Guess what? The enemies are going to always be there. You're always going to have haters. Amen? Yes. Whether you're doing right or doing wrong. If you're doing wrong, they're going to be like, I can't believe Tom shot down on drugs. If you're doing right, who she thinks she is? <laughs> Your haters will always what? Hate. So if the haters are going to always do their job, when are we going to do ours? Amen. It's a good question. I don't want nobody. I don't. I don't get up and pray because I don't want nobody thinking that I'm trying to take over. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the prayer ministry would love for you to just take over prayer one Sunday. Amen. And pray down heaven on earth. Amen. Second Samuel. Chapter 11. Amen. And we have this chapter 11, verse 15. Matthew. Amen. So we can stand. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. This is our birthday people. Amen. <laughs> we do stand. He tell her you don't have to. Y'all gonna have to drink this song. Y'all gonna have to drink this song. They just don't know. Uh, Frontline ministry. Uh, <laughs> this is our reach ministry. Reach out <laughs> Frontline ministry. That's what we. That's what we endeavor to demonstrate today. Are we there? Second Samuel. Amen. Yes. But we still got some oh, <laughs> searching for it. Tasha still well, searching for it. Well, I was checking with her. See? Y'all don't think I'm supposed to get your time. Uh, give, me, Mello, give me 45 minutes and I'm going to beat them. Mello, time you, please, sir. Got your clock running, boss. 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Either you or you, you come 30, Mello. Uh -oh. You got that, 50. That was uh, that was the time. Uh -huh. no, 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 no. Don't count that toll my time. I just think you know what you do. Yeah, I got you in 14 and a half minutes now. <laughs> like, like, the, like the politics, don't, this don't count toward my time. <laughs> don't count toward my time. All right, here we go. Yeah, amen. All right. And it says, in the letter he wrote, he said to set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fight and then draw back from him that he may be struck down. That's, that's wow. proud this You're talking about front line. Set it right in the forefront of the hardest fight. Wherever, the, wherever they're fighting the hardest, set him in the forefront. And then draw back from him. Don't have his back. That he may be struck down and die. Hold up our Bible, our smartphones. Get our confession of faith. I believe. I believe. Therefore, I receive. Therefore, I receive. With the intent to obey. With the intent to obey. The engrafted. The engrafted. Immutable. Immutable. And infallible. And infallible. Word of God. In every aspect of my life. In every aspect of my life. Today. Today. You may be seated. Moving from the background to the forefront. Just a little bit of history about Uriah. He was. They always refer to him as the Hittite. And he was Bathsheba's husband. That means he had somebody. That means he had family. He had somebody that cared for him, that loved him, 
that was waiting for his return back home, right? He just wasn't a castaway. He just wasn't somebody out there willy-nilly that was part of David's uh, army. But he was somebody who David had placed over his uh, 30. He was one of the 30 men that David had placed over his armies as leaders. So it wasn't that David didn't know him. I want us to get this. It wasn't that David didn't know his, his reputation. It wasn't that David just picked somebody out of the crowd. But Uriah the Hittite, he was, whose name means Jehovah is my light or my flame. He was one of David's mighty men, 2 Samuel 23 and 39. He was one of the 30 commanders of the 30 bands into which the Israelite army of David was divided into. He was one of the men that at Hebron was with David when David was announced king of Israel in 1 Chronicles 11 and 41. And then he was the husband of Bathsheba. Remember the Hittites was one of the ancient people that inhabited the land of Canaan, whom the Israelites were given the task of driving out in Exodus 32 and 2. And it says that I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And one of the things that I want us to understand that, that it's funny how now, remember when, 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 when David was in, in the cave of, of Abdullah and, and, and the Bible said he was kind of running from Saul and he was kind of down on his luck. Yeah. The Bible said there were mighty men that came from all over that were, had been suppressed and had been oppressed. And, 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 and uh, Uriah was one of those men that came to David. While David was down on his luck, while David didn't know who he was, while David didn't have a God on his side, while David was being hunted and haunted by Saul, uh, uh, Uriah the Hittite was one of those men that came to see about David. And one of the things that I want us to understand by being on the front line and being on the forefront is that it doesn't matter whether it's your kin, it doesn't matter whether it's your culture. It doesn't matter whether it's your color. When you're on the front line, you want to be able to look to your left or right and see somebody that's fighting with you. Right. It doesn't matter whether they're black or white. It doesn't matter whether they're from Bay Street or whether they're from Jordan Loop or Southgate. It just, all that matters is do you have a gun or a weapon in your hand and are you shooting at the same enemy? And so when it comes to being on the forefront and being on the front line, God is telling us today that quit just looking for people that look like you to fight with. That's right. I'm fighting for all uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives Matter, but also any life matter. That's Amen? Right. That's and so we're not saying black lives matter and then the white lives don't matter or black lives matter and, uh, and then forget about the police life. But what we're saying is that we're saying all lives matter, especially, and we just want to say black lives do too. Right. A lot of times, especially in the church, we only crowd around people that like us or look like us. If you're Baptist, we're going to only associate with the Baptists. If you're Church of God in Christ, we're going to only associate with the Church of God in Christ. 
If you're Pentecostal, we're going to only associate with Pentecostal. If you're charismatic and speaking tongues and believe in laying of hands, then we're going to only associate and socialize with those people that look like us. But look at what the front line of David looked like. It was men from all over, all walks of life, that were sent to help him fight the battle. Being on the front line, God is saying, Gavin Church, quit looking for people that look like you. Matter of fact, quit looking for people that are always uh, going to like you. Quit looking for people that are always going to be pushing your cause. They don't like uh, this, I don't like this, so we can fight together. Being on the front line is not about you being black and associated with black churches. Hello? Amen. Being on the front line is not about you being black and we only now push the black agenda. That's real. There's one that will say, am I talking to somebody? Amen. <laughs> Get y'all <laughs> Do y'all hear me? <laughs> but being on the front line means I may have to look down my road and there may have been some enemies in my past that are now God has a call to align mm. with me mm. for a common goal. I know goal. that's going to speak to you. For Amen. a common goal. Amen. Yes, slavery was bad. But I may have to look down my road and see someone that may have had a hood on that now God has called to be a friend of mine. Amen. Amen. Yeah, at work, Sarah uh, put a knife in my back, and Sarah may have repented, and now God is saying, now you and Sarah are going to link up because I got something for you and Sarah to do. So quit looking for people that look like you, that talk like you, that walk like you, that have the same mind as you, and God is saying, being on the forefront of the battle and being on the front line of the battle, there's going to be some people that used to be your enemy. That used to not like you. That used to not uh, uh, be able to stand you. And God said, quit looking at people and quit looking for people to always look like you to bring in to fight for your cause. There's going to be people that don't look like you. When you're on the front line, don't get focused on your culture or just your people or just your race. There were men from all over who came to David at Ziklag. The front line, you're going to be fighting alongside folks that will want your enemy. It's easy to fight together when you have a common goal. Remember during the Civil Rights Movement and, 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 and things of that nature in the late 50s and early 60s, it was easy for blacks to come together. But then once we didn't have a common enemy, we start turning on each other. Because we thought if Keisha make it, then that means I can't make it. If Keisha uh, uh, gets a business, I can't support her business because I'm trying to start my own business. So we became crabs in the barrel. Hmm. Okay, so then when everything happened with, with, with the police shooting, so now everybody rallied around Black Lives Matter. And that to dissipate and now we've gone back to if black lives matter to white people shouldn't it matter to black people too mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
So, so why are we telling the white people or the cops to say Black Lives Matter when we're killing each other in the streets as well? So if we're on the front line and we're saying Black Lives Matter, that means I'm not going to tell Wanda down. That means I'm not going to tell Shania down. That means I'm not going to tell Jeff down anymore. No. I promise. I repent of it. Now he in the church. I'm turning away. <laughs> but that means that means when, when I'm saying Black Lives Matter, it's not just for somebody else, but it's for me to also adhere to. Because I'm on the front line. The front line is where most of the focus is at. I'm on the front line fighting for my family. Anybody, you feel like you're the only one fighting for your family? Anybody on the front line, you feel like you're the only one fighting? Lord, it seems like every time I turn around, I have to fight. Don't nobody else feel that the family needs to be together? It seems like I'm the only one fighting. I'm the only one fighting for our faith. I'm the only one fighting for my love. I'm the only one fighting for the truth. I'm the only one fighting for my prayer life. Anybody? Come on. Seem like I'm so busy. It seems like the enemy distracting me. It seems like every time I do kneel down to pray or do want to pray, it seems like all something else calls me from it. Or, or okay, I gotta hurry up to work. Or this is happening. It seems like we're always fighting. That's right. Never let your guard down. I'm fighting to stay safe. That's right. Anybody? Yes. I'm fighting to make sure my mind is right. Yes. I'm fighting every day not to lose my mind. I submit to you that Frontline is not fighting about stained glass windows or whether or not to serve coffee in the sanctuary, but Frontline fighting is fighting for the truth of God. That's right. Fighting that God's truth get out. That's right. It's not, about, it's not about what color we paint the walls. And I know in our cultural church, we can find about some of the most terrible things that don't matter to amount uh, to a hill of beans. Meanwhile, folks are dying in the streets. How about you fight for that? How about you fight for Pookie to stay off drugs? Huh? How about we fight for our young daughters not to get pregnant? And how about we pray and fight for our young men to quit getting them pregnant? How about we fight for our young men to stay out of prison? But we're in the church, we're fighting. The enemy got us distracted because we're fighting about this and fighting about the chandeliers and fighting about the colors of the wall and the stained glass windows. Meanwhile, God is saying, I need somebody that's fighting a real fight. That's right. That's I need somebody that's really going to come from the background of fighting over it, whether or not the table call should be red or blue. A hundred men and women in red. Everybody better wear red. If you come in in white, we're going to kick you out. Meanwhile, we're fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get out in our community and we don't fight for nothing. They can't hear you. When they have City Hall, when, how many of y'all go? But yet, when they have school board meetings, how many of us black people go? 
but yet they're making decisions about us every day. Meanwhile, we're fighting. Over whether or not somebody can wear dreads or not. Yes, mm -hmm. And the parents are getting caught up in it too. Yep. So I'm going to I'm going to Pookie school. I'm going to tell the teacher off because she she told Pookie that this and this and this. Meanwhile, the teacher is saying, "When was the last time you've been to Pookie school to check up on?" You can't get them to you school until some racial happens. That's right. That's true. Come on, y'all. You can't get the black folks to march until something racial happens. That's right. How about you just show up at your son's or daughter's school just for GP? Just to say, teacher, I'm on your side. Because I know if Pookie's giving me hell at home, I can hold him back when he's going at school. So I'm showing up at school because I already know what Pookie is like. But we come up to these schools and we act the fool with the teachers and the administration, and we already know our children come out. So we don't want to look there. And we done put on Vaseline and everything, God. We done took off our earrings and everything, and we showing up with the little bonnets on our heads, ready to fight for something that we ain't even got no fight in. But what about when the teacher send out a mass email and say, show up for prayer? I'm busy. Show up to pray for our youth, then show up to pray for our children. And then the five or six people don't even look like us. Who's the main ones that come in our community and clean it up? And then we get mad at them for coming in the community, the community that we ain't going to do nothing about, but we talk about. When are we going to be on the front line? And so that's what God is nudging us. Church, God is saying, come from fighting over, can women preach, can women wear pants, can women wear braids, can women wear makeup, can women wear this, can women wear that, and come out from orbit over here, and there's a real battle that we have to fight. That we're asking me, and they calling our name, gathering church, the gathering church, the gathering church, and it ain't nobody showing up, but I guarantee you, call somebody about an annual day, you can Man, you have an annual day? Yes. There's a hundred pastors that want to come preach at your annual day. But say we're going to meet at the flat on the prayer of the community. I guarantee you every pastor in the community say, oh, I got something to do. Well, let annual day come around. The church will be packed. Everybody be on the wire will have their front their hats on. But let somebody say, we're meeting at City Hall because we're going to pray for our community. It'll be crickets. The rocks will start crying out then. God said, it is time to be on the front line. Number one, there's a price to pay to be on the front line. Write it down. There's a price that God is calling us to pay to be on the front line. This ain't for the, the jelly-back Christian. This ain't for the Christian that's just showing up trying to look good and trying to make it a photo op with the president. This is for the Christian with a backbone. That's right. That's willing to say and do whatever God tells them to do and say. There's a price. Second Samuel. 
11 and 3. Is this not Bathsheba when David was looking over his kingdom? Is this not Bathsheba? Not only did they let him know what her name was, but they said, let me tell you who she's kin to. Hmm. The daughter of Eliam, and then let me tell you not only her past, but let me tell you what her present situation is. She's the wife of Uriah. We are coming, we are in a time where people don't care who you're related to, they don't care nothing about your status, they don't care nothing about God, they don't care nothing about who you pray to, they don't care nothing about that. Whatever they want, they say, I want to get. David's servant said, that's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliah, and the wife of Uriah. David said, I got the hammer. I got to grab it. Go get it. So, so there's a price that has to be paid. Children, understand this, that whatever you have, there's always somebody willing to take it. If you don't appreciate it, if you don't see any worth in it, there's always somebody that will. Uriah on the battle. Uriah is out fighting for who King David. Exactly. Right? The Bible says in, in, in verse 1, there was a time that David, when kings went to battle, and David is at, at home chilling. Instead of him being on the front line, he back on behind the lines, yes. looking over his kingdom. Boy, look at everything that I've got. And the Bible said that he saw this woman bathing on the roof. But it wasn't that they didn't tell him who she was. They told him. They told him not only her past, but they said, here's her present situation. She with somebody. She got somebody. And matter of fact, David, we're going to give you his name because he's one of your mighty men. That's fighting for you. Isn't it funny how when people are down on their luck, when David was in the cave of Abdullah and he was down on his luck and now you got people coming to you, encouraging you and building you up and all of a sudden now you don't flip the script and now you want what they have. Yeah. When he could have had any woman in the kingdom. That's why I don't understand from, from a natural point of how men can rape and molest children when there's women that's giving it up, up on the streets. Or why even need to rape a woman when sugar bags dropped in like it's hot for anybody? And she giving it out for free. So David had a, he could have had anyone that he wanted, but he wanted that sheep with Uriah's wife. So when you're on the front line, there's a price to pay. David also knew who Uriah was. He was a Hittite because he was one of the 30 mighty men. There's always somebody or something coming after what you got. Start praying. Seriously, get serious about prayer. Get serious about living right with God. Get serious about being faithful in your relationship, in your marriage. There's always going to be something or somebody that come and challenge your faithfulness. To come and challenge your commitment, to come and challenge your dedication, to come and challenge your integrity. There's always going to be somebody to come and say, hmm, 
You sure looking good today. Oh, quit it. Stop. Cut it out. Stop. You, you so crazy. Yeah. Oh, and then next thing you know, you're going home. And when you're getting dressed for in the morning, now you're singing. When you didn't used to sing when you got ready for work. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I saw the light. I've been baptized. And all of a sudden now, it ain't that he just wants you. He wants you because somebody else got you. What they do? Do y'all understand that you don't look good until you're on somebody else's arms? When you single, be single. And I guarantee you, don't nobody look your way. <laughs> Ain't nobody checking for you, boo. But wait till you get a man, or wait till you get a woman, or wait till you get the little status, wait till you get a little money in your pocket. I guarantee you, one thing going to show up with two teeth missing. Time to hang They're going to be sent away from same kitchen. <laughs> Why don't you go to the dentist and fix your mouth first? <laughs> but there's always, listen, there's always going to be a price to pay to be on the front line. I don't care who you are. Don't think that you're about to be on this front line without nothing. Uriah had to pay the price to be on the front line. By somebody in his life. Why, he's out fighting you. Like, seriously. First. I'm out exactly. I'm out fighting. And the king who should okay, if you're gonna be back, how about you protect the kingdom instead of praying on the kingdom? Come on. How about you protect what God has put in your hands to protect? Instead of praying on them. It's kind of like a man being at been at work 24 hours, seven days a week, and his wife ain't got the work, and she has the audacity to be at home. Like this, a, a train station running through here. And then he come home, and then you have your audacity not to have dinner cooked, a bad drawer, house dirty and filthy. And, and could you see what Uriah, the, the, the dilemma that Uriah was in? I'm on the front line fighting for you. And this kingdom that I believe in. For the king who knew who my wife was? That's the ultimate betrayal. That's just like a best friend. Come on, y'all. Because you know intimate stuff about my relationship that everybody else don't know. So all of a sudden you show up at the house. Oh, uh, where uh such and such? Oh, you know, he out in the field for two weeks. Oh, well, just let me know if you need some. Can I get a glass of water? And next thing you know, Uriah is on the front line. Listen, y'all. God is saying, you're gonna be on the front line, but you gotta be aware of the price that has to be paid to struggle. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to understand you. And everybody that's fighting with you ain't fighting for it. Just because, I, just because you're in the uniform don't mean that you're fighting for the same thing that I'm fighting for. 
Matter of fact, I got to be careful because if I let you get too much further back of me, I may get a bullet in the back. There's always something that the enemy is after. Look for the attack to come from someone you are familiar with in this season. Listen, open up your eyes. God said, look for the attack to come from someone that you're familiar with. I can look out there. Okay, I see somebody coming. But it's hard to see your back. Number two, being on the front line means there's going to be a pulling. Look for the price. Number two, look for the pulling. What I mean by pulling, look for the distraction. Second Samuel 11 and 6. David, therefore, after he had done this mess, David, therefore, and then Uriah come back and say, now, uh, I mean, uh, 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 Bathsheba come back and say, I'm pregnant. And now David has to devise a plan. Oh, Lord. It don't look good for the home team. Girl, I thought you was on the pill. Why is it my responsibility? Young man. Look for the pool. David therefore sent a message to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When I'm saying looking for the pool, look for the enemy to pull you in a different direction than where you need to be. Look for the enemy to pull you off of your purpose. Look for the enemy to pull you off of where God has called you to be on the wall. Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah goes back to rebuild the walls? And, and, and Sandalit and, and, and Tobias uh, are the ones that, oh, Nehemiah, come on down. We got something to talk to you about. I ain't got time. The enemy will always use your hunger or your appetite to distract you for something counterfeit. So David says, oh, Lord Jesus, I have messed up. Um, what can I do? Call, call, call Uriah off the, off the forefront, off the battle. And tell him to come to the rear. And, and it's funny how, how I can imagine being Uriah like, okay, oh, Lord, is everything at home going good? Oh, Lord, what's going on? Did my mom die? What's going on? Because why would the king summons me off of the forefront of the battle? Isn't it funny how when you're busy at work and folks come to your office to talk about office gossip when you know that you got all kind of stuff you need to be doing? <laughs> they come in your office or come in your, uh, to your desk. Hey, Wanda, you got a minute? Uh, yeah, so you're really thinking it's going to be something. You understand what I'm saying? That really needs to be taken care of. Hey, did you see what such and such had on? Wait a minute. I got too many reports that I got to work right. That's right. <laughs> but it's the distraction that gets you off of what you need to do. So, so look at the pool. He was so so David invites him to have dinner with the king. Some of us will call that favor. Wouldn't we? Oh Lord, the king done invited me <laughs> to dinner. He done called me off the forefront of the battle. And some would call it favor, but Uriah called it a distraction. He called it an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, Lord, uh, 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 the mayor has called me, has summoned me. I promise you, get to doing something in the community that ruffles feathers. Watch how many phone calls you get to pull you off of what you need to be doing. The mayor ain't tried to reach out to you in ever. And now all of a sudden, you marching for, 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 uh, for prayer to be back in the school. Now they got, oh, Lord Jesus, they marching for prayer. Uh, uh, let's get them distracted. Hey, I want to give you another job. Uh-uh, this is my job right here. Hey, can we get you from that community? We're going to sit you over here on the, in Copperfield. Ain't nothing in Copperfield that I need. Look for the distractions. So David started asking uh, Uriah when they at the table, small talk. So how's Joab doing? I don't know. Didn't you send Joab a message? You don't know how Joab doing? How's the battle going? When you're on the front line, you ain't got time for small talk. Sure. You know. When you got stuff that you got to be praying for and praying about, you ain't got time to get caught up in office gossip. You ain't got time to be getting caught up in, in church politics. You ain't got time to be getting caught up in what did Sarah have on and what did Miss, Miss Bessie do. And, and what, Lord, did y'all see what the pastor had on and did y'all see what his wife was doing? You ain't got time to get caught up in that. Right. David pulled this man, one of his 30 brave men, all of the battle to talk about Joab. Don't that seem weird? Well, isn't Joab one of your officers? Why are you asking me about Joab? He pulled him. And Ryan was in this, I'm pretty sure, like, what is this about? Why are you asking me about Joel? If you're pulling me from the battle, let it be for something. Come on, y'all. If, 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 if somebody pull you off of your wall, let it be for a reason. I thought you may want to go uh, get cocktails with us. I'm good. I thought maybe you want to hang out with us. Uh-uh, I'm good. God bless you. There's things that I'm trying to accomplish. The third thing, and then I'm closing. <laughs> the price. Number two. The pool. And number three, the present. The gift. The present. The gift. So 2 Samuel 11 and 8, and David said to Uriah, go down to the house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. When you're on the front line, be careful for the bribes. Be careful for the gifts that come out of nowhere. Again, as Christians, we can say that's favor, right? We talk about $100, we talk about God, you know, somebody giving us $20,000, but what is it attached to? Y'all ever get those checks in the mail, like for credit cards or something like that, and they say it was like, seven, I think they're like $7, $8, and 
but you don't read the fine print because they said if you cash this, that means that you owe more or you really apply for a credit card. And we get customers to come to the bank all the time. Uh, they took out $79 out of my account. Then we start looking, well, you deposited this check. So by you depositing the check, automatically you was applying for the loan or applying for the credit card or whatever it is. Be careful about the gifts that show up out of nowhere for no reason. This must be God. Somebody roll up here with a Rolls Royce. Huh? Lord, I've been, I've been, we've been needing, uh, needing to do some home repairs, and all of a sudden we get a check in the mail for twenty thousand dollars. But read the fine print, baby. God said, beware of the presence that people will try to offer you to pull you off the front line. The enticements. I'm pretty sure if Wanda could, attest to, could testify her being single, I'm pretty sure there's been all kind of Sam, Larry, Merlin, uh, Larry, Curly, and Moses that have approached her. Come off of being single and satisfied. Come off of being pure for the Lord. I'm pretty sure for those of us that's married, there's been all kinds of men and women that come. Come off of being uh, true to your, to your wife or to your spouse or to your husband. Girl, I, I take care of you. You ain't never got the work. Don't that sound good? You ain't, I know, girl, you're working two jobs now, but if you come on to my team, you won't ever have to work. <laughs> but not understanding the stipulations that's tied to the present. In the King James Version, it says, And David sent a mess of meat, which means a portion and often a tribute, a contribution out when Uriah left. Isn't it funny how when you really need something, it seems like ain't nobody there? Mm -hmm. But then it seems like when you kind of, you know, kind of, you, you kind of doing things for your own and you kind of, you know, standing on your own two feet and now all of a sudden somebody want to call and say, oh, did you need something? <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, I just thought that maybe you may need uh, 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 something to eat. <laughs> no, uh -uh. my wife uh, fixed my meals. Thank you. Sure appreciate you. God bless you. How about you go back to your own husband and fix his own his meal? <laughs> and Uriah is sitting there. When Uriah left, David really thought he had it. But Uriah really disobeyed the command, uh, uh, a direct order from the king when the king said, go home and wash your feet. Ceremonial. Here it is. Could you imagine that? I'm closing this. Here it is. Uriah was on the battlefield. Got blood and guts and everything all over him. To be called to the king's palace to have dinner with the king for no reason. Okay. Flag number, red flag number one. Mm. And then there's small talk. 
Like you really, like King, what is it that you really want to say? Anybody ever call you while you're busy and they ain't talking about nothing and beat around the bush? Oh, well, what, uh, what you doing? Yeah. It's like they ask you, are you busy? And you say, yeah, they keep going. And you don't want to be rude or mean, but you want to be like, get to the point. What is it that you call me for? Oh, well, I just was thinking about it. I was just trying to see how things go in that word. They're all right. <laughs> but, I mean, you start getting frustrated, like, you called me all the way from Georgia just to ask me how things go in that word. Really? Um, you, uh, how's your wife doing? Fine. Something like a good, what, like, And you call me and you are talking about nothing. But then when I get ready to leave, you tell me to go to my house and go sleep with my wife and go be with her and go wash my feet and go wash off ceremonially. And then you send me a gift. Wouldn't that be a red flag for y'all? If your pastor show up at your house. This pastor showed up at your house with some meat. And I say, oh, come to the church. <laughs> come to the church and have fun and just enjoy yourself. Like, Pastor, you supposed to be at work? First of all, ain't you busy? But could you see the, the predicament that Uriah was in? Here is the king calling him off the front line for foolishness because the king done messed up. So, so Uriah says, he, instead of him going to his house, he sleeps on the porch. And he tells the king with the rest of the soldiers, My fear is that in the church we have gotten so we have gotten so accustomed to the pageantry. And we've lost the real purpose of the church. That's real. So King David was was showering him with all of this stuff to get his mind off of hmm, something right. So, so we have annual days. We have day of this, day of this, day of this, day of this, and day of this, day of that, day of this, day of that, just to get your mind really off of what you really need to be doing. The pageantry. We get so used to the pageant. Well, the pastor come in. Everybody stand. We're not going to call them names. <laughs> When the pastor sit down, then they're kind of like, <laughs> he go sit down, and then he stand back up, so you stand back up. We, we have gotten so accustomed, and that's what David really thought he was going to get Uriah with, with the whole pageantry of stuff. Surely if I can't get him with the dinner, surely I can get him with him going home and sleeping with his wife after being on, on the battlefield. Don't that sound good, Mia? Love you, teacher. 
When I was in Bosnia, I remember they said if you stay over for more than six months in Bosnia, they will send you back home to the real what they called it for rest and relaxation for your time served over there. But anything that you were serving six months or less, they didn't feel that you needed to go back home to your family. So could you imagine you're right being on the front line and being asked to come back home and the King David is showering him with this and King David says, go home and sleep with your wife. Look at the division that, that King David is trying to bring. First of all, you're called off the line from the means that you're serving with. The enemy is subtle, y'all. I'm telling you. Look at, look at the degrees of separation that David is trying to bring into Uriah's life. I'm going to call y'all the front line so everybody can be like, why? Why he ain't here fighting? Then I'm going to invite you to the palace and I ain't going to invite nobody else. Hmm. Why you riding get to eat with the king? And we all out here fighting? And then I'm going to send you back home with your wife with meats, with a mess of meats. When ain't nobody else getting to do this. And thank the Lord for the mind that Uriah had. He said, no king. I'm sleeping right here with you with the rest of the men. What I'm trying to tell us is that when you're on the front line, your mind got to be sharp. You can't be out there playing games. You can't be out there uh, um, haphazardly and half-heartedly. You can't be out there uh, uh, thinking that this is going to be my next gig to, to the next big thing. I'm, 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 I'm going to serve on the front line because I know if I kill 300 men or more, I know David is going to elevate me. So Uriah said, I can't do this. i got men sleeping on the floor at the king's palace, and here it is, you're going to send me home to sleep with my wife? Do y'all not understand there's a time and a place for everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. The Bible says when you're fasting, to abstain from what? So when you're in the heat of a battle, when you're in the heat of a battle, the last thing that you want to be considering is pleasure for your purpose. The last thing that you should be trying to train in is pleasure for your purpose. And that's what King David was trying to get Uriah to do. Uriah, surely, if, he, if, if the fool don't get him, surely, if me calling them in from the battle don't get him, surely, if I mention go home and be with your wife, surely that'll get him. But Uriah was basically saying, I'm not going to satisfy this flesh and negate my purpose. We're finished. How many times have we fell into that? That trap. Mm -hmm. Satisfying this flesh to negate our purpose. How many times, even though the king told him it was a direct order mm -hmm. to go home and wash your feet, wash all that blood off of you, man, wash all of that, the stench. Could you imagine how smelly you would wash yeah. all of that off of you? Who wouldn't take the opportunity to do that? 
You mean I can just be laid up with my wife until the king send me back? For us men that work, don't it sound good to just stay at home? <laughs> Boy, I can just sit at home and have the government take care of me? Because that's basically what David was saying. And Uriah wasn't any other man. He said, no, no, King. I don't need nobody else taking care of me. My wife will understand that I'm out there fighting. It's kind of like, let us say, it's kind of like your wife telling you one morning, talking about, baby, don't, don't go to work. Just stay home with me. <laughs> I, girl, listen, because in two months, in two weeks, you're going to be crying about this light bill. Uh -huh. And then I'm going to remind you, now remember, you said to stay home with you, huh? And watch the view all day and the soap operas. The young and the restless. Housewives at Atlanta at night. But Uriah had a had a had a mindset to say, "I'm not negating the big objections." It's easy when you're praying to be distracted. It really is. It's easy to when you're when you're living right to be distracted. It's easy when you're studying to fall asleep because it's boring. It's easy. When you read the Bible and you don't get a revelation, and it's easy to just close and say, maybe this ain't meant for me. But when we be like Uriah to say, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm not, ex I'm not coming down from distractions. And I'm not accepting bribes. As we're in ending February uh, uh, Black History Month, could you imagine Martin Luther King, how easy it would have been for him to just say, it ain't worth it. This whole nonviolent statement is for the birds. I'm getting beat by a, a water hose. They sicking dogs on me. And meanwhile, I'm preaching, turn down the cheek. This will all be over soon. Could you imagine how easy it would have been for any one of our civil rights leaders, and not even just the leaders, but any one of our civil rights persons that came up during that time, just to say, you know what? I'm going to be distracted. I'm going to accept whatever pride they give me. Sadly, if you don't march, I promise you, I'll give you two cents extra on every dollar. They were bribing Martin Luther King not to be a part of the, cell, the uh, march on Selma. 
King don't do it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out another way. Every head bowed. God said in this season before the gathering church, 